Hey, my name is Alyssa Wolf, and as a chronic pain specialist, I am on a mission to empower you to tackle your chronic pain naturally by uncovering hidden truths about pain and exposing the deeper cause. I aim to help you transform your relationship with pain because you've been in this relationship for long enough and you deserve better. You just need a little help to get out of it. And that is what the Chronic Pain Breakup Podcast is all about. I'll be busting pain management myths, teaching you some of the mind-blowing neuroscience of pain, and help you overcome some of the roadblocks that are keeping you from seeing real, long-term improvements in pain. Stick with me, and in no time, you'll learn the keys to breaking up with stubborn pain so you can get back to doing what makes you, you, and living your fearless and fulfilling life. So if you have chronic pain and are looking for no fluff, natural, science-backed pain relief solutions, pull up a seat and get cozy because you are in the right place. Let's get started. All righty, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Um, and today I have a very special treat for you all. I have a uh, special guest here with me, Martha Lewis. So Martha is the CEO and founder of the Complete Sleep Solution. And in her unique approach as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, she focuses on looking for the underlying causes of insomnia. So these are things that we may never really think that could be con contributing to sleep or impacting our sleep, such as like things like hormones and gut health. So she is also the host of the Insomnia Fix podcast. And so we are very lucky to have her with us today. I've asked her to join me to talk about sleep and to give her her to share her unique perspective, because we all know that this is a big issue for people with chronic pain. So Welcome, Martha, to the Chronic Pain Breakup Podcast, and thank you for joining us here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alyssa. I'm excited. I'm super excited. So, um, so Martha, can you share a little bit about your background and what brought you into this specialty of sleep and insomnia? Yes, it's kind of a... Um... Yeah, a uh, winding story, but I will give the short version for sure. Um, I mean, it start, my insomnia started in late pregnancy when um, I was 39 years old. Until then, I had always been a great sleeper and loved sleep. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't able to sleep. And it was so frustrating. And people kept telling me, oh, you're just practicing for having a baby. And I'm like, oh, I need sleep now. <laughs> I don't need to learn how to be sleep deprived. It's horrible. So anyway, then my son was born. And he was not a good sleeper either. So I went down the path of figuring out his sleep. I actually became a pediatric sleep consultant to help um, families with their baby sleep because it made such a difference in my life. So after he was sleeping well, then I realized I'm still not sleeping. This wasn't just the problem with him. It was my body wasn't sleeping. And so for me, it looked like I would try to go to bed early because I was so tired, but it would take me forever to fall asleep. And then I always woke up around three or four in the morning for a couple of hours and would be falling back asleep at around six, which is when my son was waking up. So I was frustrated and I, you know, would, I am a researcher. So I Googled everything, which, you know, said the same basic advice over and over again, and I followed all of those. I stopped watching TV before bed. I made sure I didn't eat chocolate too late at night. I made sure to exercise every day, like all the things that you're supposed to do. And I still couldn't sleep. So I just remember being so frustrated that there wasn't an answer besides just, this, you know, the same stuff that you read everywhere. 
So luckily, because I, you know, have a background in nutrition, I've been in the health and wellness space for a long time. I learned about functional lab testing and how that could possibly find the root cause of why I wasn't sleeping. So I decided to take the certification with me as the guinea pig. And I found out I had hormone imbalance. I had a parasite that I think I'd had for 15 years from traveling in Asia and I had copper toxicity. I had all kinds of, um, of imbalances in my body, even though I had cared about my health. I had considered myself very healthy. Every doctor always said I was very healthy, but yet there were these underlying health issues going on that were affecting my sleep. So once I started correcting those, that's when I started sleeping better. And so now that's what I do with my clients is I am using lab testing to find out these underlying health issues that are affecting their sleep. And I help with the mental part of not sleeping too, because it gets in your head no matter what. (laughs) It's easy to become anxious about sleep and worried about sleep and everything in life seems more stressful when you aren't sleeping. So Yeah. yeah, I really believe in a body and mind approach. Yeah, I love it. I love the the scientific approach that you take and like the functional testing to me. I never would have thought that, you know, that was important and that we needed to do to do that to look into like the really the root causes of of uh of what why you can't sleep. So, so very cool, very interesting approach. Um so I kind of want to ask just to start off because you know, I work with people with chronic pain. And so as I'm sure you can understand, a lot of my clients struggle with sleep as well. And so many of them would say that the reason they can't sleep is because of their pain. And, you know, I would agree with that to some extent, of course, you know, they can't get comfortable. They, they're constantly having to like keep moving and shifting to kind of ease the pain every once in a while. So that's keeping them up at night. And so um, one of the questions that a lot of my clients will ask me is if I can recommend a better mattress or a better pillow. Uh, And so they'll ask me like, what's the best mattress or what's the best pillow for my pain? How can I, you know, what sleep position can I lay in to alleviate my pain so I can sleep? And so they've already spent hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars on these really fancy pillows, these really fancy mattresses. And so I'm super curious about what your thoughts are on this issue, because it's a big question that people ask me all the time. Um, And my question for you is, are people asking the wrong questions? Yes, I think so. (laughs) Because sometimes people ask me that too. Like, what is this? What is the pillow? What is the mattress? There's not a magic pillow or magic mattress that's going to work. If there was, you would have probably already figured that out. And so, yeah. And so no pillow, no mattress is going to solve the problem if you aren't getting to the root of why you have chronic pain or why you can't sleep. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. (laughs) There's no magic pillow. (laughs) That's what I have to tell people all the time is that like, if you've already tried four or five different pillows or mattresses, like it's not the next pillow that's going to solve the problem. That's that's, we need to go deeper and look for that, for that underlying cause. Um, And so my next question is about, uh, the next kind of question that people ask me about in, in my conversations with um, those with chronic pain struggling with sleep and, and they'll often end up looking down the route of pills, right? So they're looking for um, other ways to, to get better sleep. And so 
they'll go down the route of getting prescribed sleep aids, or they'll try out some other alternatives like CBD products to try to get better sleep. So uh, as a sleep specialist, what are your thoughts on those, those different things? And, and are they useful? Are they just Band-Aid solutions or could they be actually making the problem worse? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely Band-Aid solutions. And I'll start with sleeping pills because... I think those can actually make things worse. I mean, what sleeping pills do is they sedate you. So you aren't getting natural sleep. You actually like studies show that you're spending less time in certain sleep stages and more time in others. And so it's not the same. And so all the repair that is supposed to happen during sleep isn't happening when you're taking a sleep aid. Now, you know, I'm not judging anyone who gets on sleeping pills or anything like that. I know that especially, you know, if you've gone a long time without being able to sleep, I mean, I do think that there is a time and place for them to maybe get over the hump or if you're going through a, um, you know, say someone in your family died or something major like that, then that is an appropriate time. But sleeping pills are not meant to be taken long-term and they say that but yet doctors prescribe them long-term because I think they don't know what else to do for people who can't sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I totally understand that people get on sleeping pills, but it's just not the long-term answer, ideally. Like you want to get to the root of why you can't sleep instead of taking this pill that is putting an extra burden on your liver. They can be really addictive. I do help people get off sleeping pills with their doctor's um, assistance. And it can be really hard, especially some of the strong ones like benzodiazepines and things like that. Like people have to wean off them very slowly and they can react if they taper too quickly. And so I just suggest if you aren't taking a sleeping pill to really do research before deciding to get on it. And, um, and if you are, then, you know, getting to the root cause of why you weren't sleeping and what's causing your pain, because you don't want to be on those long-term. And then as far as CBD, I do think CBD is also a Band-Aid. I mean, I think they help people because it's anti-inflammatory, but it's not getting to the root of where that inflammation is coming from. And so, you know, I think, um, yes, pain can affect sleep and sleep affects pain in a suspicious cycle. There are times where the cause of both of those things can be the same. So, and I, you know, especially think of inflammation um, that, that can lead to pain that can lead to sleep issues. And so it's a matter of finding out where that inflammation is coming from. Is it cause your liver isn't healthy? Is it cause your gut isn't healthy? Is it cause of the diet you're eating all of those things? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so CBD can be helpful. I don't, I mean, I think anything that we're taking long-term, like there are studies showing how that can affect hormones over time, sex hormones and mm-hmm. thyroid hormones. Um, So there is some evidence that, you know, it's messing with our bodies, but I think that is a way better alternative than a prescription sleeping pill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of, it sounds like there's a lot of parallels with sleep aids and CBD uh, for sleep with the use of painkillers. Like it's very, it seems like it's very similar. Like they're, they're kind of that band-aid solution, but they're, they're necessary. They have a vital role to play they're a little risky. Um, and so you kind of have to watch for that uh, and be careful around using them. Um, again, no judgment, of course, because when doctors prescribe them, 
it's like they need to give you something because they have nothing else. This is the only tool they can give you. And so when you have nothing else, it's like, what else do you do? So you have to, it's like the only option. But um, is it true that the sleep aids and possibly CBD do not get you into the deeper stages of sleep? Yes. I mean, we know that for sleeping pills. Um, I know that for THC. I don't know that specifically for CBD. I should look that up. Because, mm. um, yeah, I know THC affects affects our sleep stages too. So I imagine CBD has some effect as well. Probably, yeah. So what what would be the repercussions of not, like falling asleep, but not really getting into, like you said, it's a sedative, like you're just being sedated. So you're not getting into those deeper stages of sleep. What's the repercussions of that? Yeah, well, so much happens when we sleep. I mean, researchers don't even know all the reasons why we sleep, but I always think of it like this. As humans, we have evolved tens of thousands of years without evolving out of the need to sleep, to spend a third of our lives asleep. That's how crucial it is. And so especially in deep sleep is when so much repair is happening in the body. And so that can be in the brain that can be, it's, you know, it's on a cellular level all throughout our body that that's happening. And so, yeah, if you aren't spending that enough time in deep sleep, that repair isn't happening. And I mean, you know, that's one of the reasons that they're finding this, this critical link between dementia and taking sleep aids because you aren't, you aren't getting that restorative reparative sleep. So yes. So it's going to be crucial for recovering from something like chronic pain as well to be getting more natural sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually my next question, which was about like, why is sleep so important? So yeah, yeah. It definitely from a a physical perspective, like healing from injuries and like, if your body's doing all of its reparative stuff while you sleep, then yes, you absolutely need to sleep from a nervous system perspective if our nervous system does a lot of its pruning and repairing while we sleep, then we need that as well. And then you'll probably have some interesting insights on the inflammatory side of that. Um, because I bet that's like, is it what, a little bit like a snowball effect, like with inflammation and sleep? Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, it's another one of those vicious cycles of like, mm-hmm. you know, not sleeping is going to lead to more inflammation. I mean, when you're sleep deprived, your body releases more cortisol the next day. Yeah. And so then it's the same thing. Like when that inflammation is increased, then it's going to be harder to sleep. So yeah, it can become this, this cycle that can be hard to get out of. And that's why finding the source of the inflammation is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So that kind of brings me to my next question, which is, I want to talk about, you know, you said that you like to look for those underlying causes of sleep problems. And so can you tell us a little bit more about what that process looks like? How do you identify the underlying causes? And then what are some of those hidden contributing factors? We already talked a little bit about some of them, but what are we looking for? What are some of those things that we may not be paying attention to that are contributing factors? Yeah. So when we're talking about the physical root causes, Again, like, you know, inflammation is a big part of that. And a lot of inflammation can come from our diet, first of all. So that's where I start with people. Um, You can't, I always say you can't out supplement a poor diet. So, um, because I do recommend supplements based on the results I find, but you can't just take supplements and, you know, 
and the rest and drink soda and fast food, eat fast food and all those things. So yeah. So eating an anti-inflammatory diet is really, is really crucial. One of, you know, another thing I'm looking for is blood sugar balance. So, you know, if you're on this blood sugar roller coaster, where say you're maybe eating too many sugary foods or carbohydrates, um, for your body. And then you get on this extreme roller coaster that's happening all day. That's going to continue into the night. And whenever your blood sugar drops too low in the night, it's going to create, you know, stress in your body. Your body's going to release cortisol because cortisol will then release glucose into your cells to give you energy, but we don't want cortisol being released at night. Cause that's just going to wake you up. I mean, cortisol makes our mind race to help us focus it gives us energy. It increases our heart rate and blood pressure and body temperature. And so we don't want cortisol at night at all. And at least half of my clients, that's what I see. Cause one of the tests I do looks at your cortisol pattern. And so you can see, um, what's happening and is it more elevated in the middle of the night or at bedtime? And that is what is keeping people awake. And that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing I'm looking at is gut health. And, you know, and I'll tell you, none of my clients have a healthy gut. (laughs) Now, for some people, it's 90% of the problem. For others, it's less. But there are many ways that gut health affects sleep and our health. And um, I mean, one of the big ones that I'm looking for are pathogens in the gut. So that could be like a parasite, which is what I had. Um, It could be H. pylori is a kind of bacterial overgrowth that can happen in the stomach that affects protein digestion. And I see that in about 85% of my clients. And then candida, a type of yeast is also somewhat common. But the reason these pathogens affect sleep is because they're nocturnal. So they are most active in the middle of the night. I know this grosses some people out. I find it fascinating. (laughs) But um, they're eating, excreting, releasing all these toxins, which causes all this inflammation. And so then the body releases cortisol to deal with that inflammation and that's going to wake you up. So if you're waking up in the middle of the night, this is a common cause of that. Wow. Yeah. Right. And another biggie I'm looking for is liver function. So the liver is also most active at night. And so again, if it has more toxins than it can handle, and that can be exacerbated by a pathogen in the gut, for example, but you know, if it's become overburdened from all the toxins we're exposed to in our food and drinking water and personal care products, um, heavy metals in our water, you know, we can be exposed to toxins in so many places. Then when the liver gets overburdened and it's trying to detoxify at night, those toxins end up circulating around. They cause some inflammation. Your body releases cortisol again, and it's going to wake you up. So those are kind of the three, some of, you know, they're the three biggies I'm looking for. There are a lot, um, many other causes of, of not being able to sleep at night, like hormone balance, which you mentioned, like mineral imbalance, like heavy metals, mold toxicity. You know, there's, there are dozens of things that could be affecting sleep, which is why there isn't an easy solution or like, I wish I could just run one test that would tell me you know, what's working for everyone, but I run four different tests to find the big picture of what's going on in someone's body and what they personally are dealing with so that then I know what to address. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That is such a cool, like 
way of looking at it, very holistic. Have you ever had somebody come back from your testing and not find something? I, I didn't think so. <laughs> Sometimes people ask me that. I'm like, there's no way. I mean, think about it. Like a healthy body sleeps well and also isn't in pain, right? And so I just see it as it's a sign that your body isn't healthy. And so it's just a matter of finding out what's keeping your body unhealthy. So, yeah, I mean, I tell people, I'm like, if, if the test show nothing, I will give you your money back, but yeah, that's pretty much yeah. impossible. <laughs> I think, I think it would be pretty impossible, especially like if you're struggling that much, something will show up and yeah. it, and these are the kinds of tests that a normal doctor would not be ordering. Correct. For the most right. part. Yeah. They're functional medicine tests. And so they aren't part of our medical system. They usually aren't covered by insurance, unfortunately. Although, well, I guess some functional doctors can get blood work, maybe covered by insurance, but not necessarily the others. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, the, the more detailed you get, it's like the, you know, the more outside of the traditional healthcare system that they say, we'll, we'll test for, you know, your normal, like we'll test your thyroid hormone level, your T, you know, um, your TSH, but, and then if people I think are lucky, they'll get the cortisol testing. But I think at least from what I've seen, as far as folks who have done some cortisol testing, that it's not always done correctly, or like, I don't know if you, if you see that, but can you talk a little bit about how the cortisol testing works? Like, um, cause I, 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 my understanding was that it needs to be done multiple times a day. Is that, and um, yeah. So my question is, how does the cortisol testing work and what is the normal cortisol rhythm? Yeah. So blood work is usually just going to look at, you know, cortisol at that second in time that you're taking the test, which is usually in the morning when you're fasting. And so a lot of times people say, oh, my cortisol is normal. And yeah, it's really a matter of, is that like, what does the pattern look like? Because yeah, it could be in normal range, but if it's higher at night than it is in the morning, then it's totally explaining why you weren't sleeping. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I always say like, if you have symptoms, then it's something isn't normal, even if your blood work shows that it's normal. So there is saliva cortisol testing where you can do a four or five point test. So you are taking it multiple times throughout the day. And I use something called the Dutch test, which is a dried urine hormone test. So it looks at sex hormones and liver function and B vitamins and melatonin and other things, but it also looks at your cortisol pattern. And um, it tends to be more accurate too, because you're getting this average of your cortisol and sex hormones throughout the day, instead of it just being that second in time, like a saliva test or blood work. And what the cortisol pattern should look like is uh, cortisol is lowest first thing in the morning, and then it spikes to its highest level within two hours of waking up. And then it gradually goes down throughout the day. So mm -hmm. I'll see people where, oh, then it goes up at bedtime or it's super high in the middle of the night. That's what mine looked like actually when I had that parasite. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so a normal or a um, blood work first thing in the morning would show that it's normal, but it's not showing what it's doing at night. So that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, <clears throat> those that I've, I've spoken to who have done cortisol testing and just get that like baseline one time of the day, they take the morning test and it's like, quote unquote, normal, but you're like, you're, ca you're not capturing the entire rhythm. It's, it's so variable throughout the day. And I've, um, for the folks who have chronic pain and have actually done the correct testing, 
a lot of people end up seeing that their cortisol levels are very low or they are the reverse. Like you said, the curve is reversed. Instead of it being high in the morning, it's high in the afternoon or the evening. And uh, that's totally messing with their, their rhythms. And so, which is, is not, not that the abnormal curve doesn't necessarily, that, that's a little bit more confusing to me, but the fact that people with chronic pain tend to have really low cortisol levels, uh, at least during the day that I know of, uh, when they did the testing, um, isn't what we would normally expect. Because like when you're in this like chronic state of like fight or flight, your body's in this chronic state of like need to protect from an injury or heal from an injury, we would expect cortisol to be high but it's actually quite low, which is, which is something that I found very interesting. Um, but it makes sense because I believe cortisol gets depleted. Um, I don't know if you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I would say someone like when, when their pain and inflammation first starts, cortisol probably is high because it's your, the body's able to respond to that stress, but then over time, the body can't handle dealing with that stress anymore. It doesn't have the resources it needs to make enough cortisol to deal with the stress. So cortisol becomes depleted. So that's actually a pretty, you know, when cortisol is low, that's a pretty burnt out person who isn't able to respond to stress very well. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that has its own repercussions. Like just like having high cortisol can have all kinds of nasty, you know, effects in the body, but having low cortisol as well, because cortisol, as anyone knows, if you've had ever had a cortisone injection, it's an anti-inflammatory agent. And so if you're low on cortisol, that means it probably means you're high in inflammation in your body. So yep. there you go. <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah. I'm really enjoying this like super nerdy sciencey conversation. So I'm getting off on a tangent. Um, <laughs> and because everything that you mentioned made me think of like some more questions too. Um, one of my clients, had some testing done, uh, was working with a functional medicine uh, practitioner. I'm not exactly sure the name of the, pro the provider that she was working with, but she did some, some in-depth testing. And you mentioned something about copper, which I found super interesting. She told me, you know, like the thing that when it comes to diet, like, and being healthy, you said that your doctors all just said you were re super healthy. Like, you know, um, so my client had her test done and found high copper as well. And I believe she said that copper uh, is found in like things like kale, which is a super healthy food. And we would all think, you know, oh, eat more kale. You're being so healthy. But for her, it was like not <laughs> like the right thing. And so I think that speaks to like the the uniqueness of the testing and like getting really in there and finding out what it is that you're actually dealing with, because the things that you think might be healthy may not be. Yeah. 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 And so I love, I love the whole, the very holistic approach of like gut nutrition, liver, hormone, all of that is so, so important. And it all ties in with the chronic pain stuff. So, okay. I wanted to ask more. I'm sure I could actually have you probably back on and ask you some more questions about more of my nerdy questions, but, um, but just to give our listeners, you know, some, some, something tangible, something that they can kind of like move forward with. I know that getting better sleep in is everything we talked about. It's, it's not going to be an overnight ish thing. <laughs> no pun intended. Not, sleep doesn't come overnight, but what are some like something that you can share that might be like just some recommendations, something that they can focus on somewhere to go to move forward if they are struggling with sleep. 
Yeah. I mean, I already mentioned this, but I, I would definitely recommend for anyone with sleep issues. And I would say even chronic pain is to go on an anti-inflammatory diet. And what I mean by that is yes, you know, avoiding refined sugar and flour and oils are a big one. Um, but also gluten and dairy can be really inflammatory, especially if someone's gut isn't healthy. Alcohol is also very inflammatory. So I know you know, sometimes people are using that to deal with their pain or deal with their, or, you know, get to sleep faster, but alcohol is very inflammatory and it's putting an extra burden on your liver. And so, yeah, there's something called, um, well, like a paleo diet would be appropriate or something, someone with autoimmune disease and autoimmune paleo diet, um, where you're really limiting, you're not having grains either and things like that can really help. Um, again, not overnight, but over time <laughs> by really focusing on a clean diet. I mean, that's like the basis of everything. And then, you know, I also always recommend like doing things to minimize stress, to calm your nervous system on a daily basis, supporting your liver function is also key. And there are, I don't, there aren't many supplements and I'm like, yes, everyone can take this supplement and be fine. Even a probiotic I'll add. So, you know, that's why, you know, you talked about the kale not being good for someone. It can be similar with supplements. People are guessing. And like I say, you know, I like to test instead of guess. If you're just reading something online that, oh, this might help, that, that could be making things worse for you, actually. Um, or, or, you know, it's something your body doesn't actually need. And so that's why melatonin doesn't work for everyone. And, um, magnesium doesn't work for everyone is because there's more going on than just that. So, but I will say like supporting liver health is good. So whether that's with a supplement or like doing something simple, like starting your day off with a little squeeze of fresh lemon juice and warm water that stimulates liver detox and bile production, which is also going to help with digestion. So taking Epsom salt baths, things like that, that can help support the liver is going to be beneficial for almost anyone <laughs> with any kind of chronic issues. So that's where I'd recommend starting for sure. Yeah, and that's a lot of really good places to start. We always talk about, you know, in, without providing too specific of recommendations because everybody is so different. It's so hard to give like blanket recommendations and you know, people ask me frequently, like, what's the best diet should I be on? And I will say like, just an anti-inflammatory diet. That's the best I can tell you, but without really digging in, I don't want to give you advice, like eat kale, if it's the worst thing for you, like, you know, um, kale's great, but I don't know if it works for everybody, but I think that's yeah. really important. And, um, um, I, I, I think it's so important to identify each component of the problem, like you were talking about, because, your liver function might be a component, your hormones might be a component, like cortisol levels might be a co component, your nervous system might be a component, you know, you might also have some really structural and mechanical issues that are limiting you with sleep and pain. So figuring out what all of those things are for you, and then focusing your treatments in those areas. I think what people really struggle with is when they're dabbling, and they're just like going down these different routes without any direction. And they're never going to make it anywhere with that kind of approach. So um, really figuring out what your root causes are or contributing factors are, is what the, the really important piece is. And I love that, you know, you and I kind of 
in a sense, almost solve similar problems, the same problem and in different ways, because it, when the underlying causes are different, or if you have multiple underlying causes, you need to build the team of all of those people who can support you. So with that being said, where can our, the listeners uh, here kind of learn more about you, your program, tell us about your program and your methodology. Obviously we probably talked about your methodology a little bit, but tell me about your program and where listeners can find you. Yeah. So my program is the complete sleep solution. And so we already mentioned, you know, I addressed the physical part of it. Um, so, so it's a body, mind and foundations approach. Um, so the foundations are sleep foundations, like the sleep hygiene routines, things like that. We don't want to miss that. It's not going to solve the problem, but we don't want to miss it. And then health foundations, like regulating blood sugar and anti-inflammatory diet, things like that. Then the mental approach is helping people with stress and worry about sleep with, um, with stress in general, um, use life coaching, some cognitive behavioral therapy techniques to help with the mental part of things. And then for the physical part, I do four different tests. Um, the Dutch test, which I mentioned is that hormone test. I do a GI map to look at gut health. I do a neurofocus panel that looks at neurotransmitters because um, those can directly affect sleep. And then I do a hair tissue mineral analysis that uses the hair to look at mineral balance and heavy metals. And so I found that those four tests give me the most information for the least cost um, of many different things that contribute to sleep issues um, so that we get the big picture. And you know, you're talking about like multiple causes and that's pretty much always the case. Like it's, and I think it's important to mention that, you know, our, every part of our bodies is connected. And so I think that's also part of the problem with Western medicine is that it's become specialized and that's great in some ways, but I think they've lost this idea that things are connected. So you can't just go down the gut health rabbit hole. I've had people do this or just work with someone for adrenal fatigue and also not look at liver and minerals and like everything else in the body. Cause they're all connected and affecting everything else. And so, yes. Um, so it's a very holistic approach. And then, you know, I'm helping people optimize their diet. We look at exercise, we look at stress. I recommend supplements that I see as more for the short term. Let's do everything we can to get your body back in balance so that you aren't having to take things forever. And with the testing, we know what your body needs. So, um, so that's what the, you know, what I'm looking for in the program. I work with clients for six months. We have 12 sessions over six months. Um, also, you know, I'm sending out weekly trainings about sleep and stress and health to give people as many resources as possible as they're going through the program. And they also have our support. I do have a team as well of, um, I have another health coach working for me right now who's seeing clients. So, um, whether they're working with me or with her, you know, they also have support. They can ask questions between sessions. So they don't have to go two weeks to get their question answered. And when they're making, if we're recommending diet changes and that's hard for someone, we're going to help them make those changes and not just say, go gluten-free, good luck. Eat an anti-inflammatory diet, good luck. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Just like our doctors would basically like, you know, oh, you should eat, eat clean. See you later. Yeah. Good luck. I don't know what that means. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's how that's it works. Awesome. 
Yeah. And Alyssa, you already mentioned my podcast, The Insomnia Fix. My website is thecompletesleepsolution.com. And I have a group on Facebook as well called Sleep and Insomnia Help for Adults, where I, yeah, I'm in there all the time talking about these things that we talked about today. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely put the links to everything you mentioned in the description so they can come find you. Um, I, you know, as you were just sharing, I, you said the word neuro, neurotransmitters and my eyes got all big. <laughs> oh, I want to talk to you more about this because that, I want to know everything about that. That sounds fascinating as a neuroscience nerd. So, um, but I'm sure we could continue talking and exploring all of this for a lot longer. So maybe we'll have to do this again at some point, but I am so excited to share this episode with everybody because it's so good. So Thank you for joining me today. And uh, yeah, it was lovely to have this conversation. Yeah, thanks for nerding out with me. I love it. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> All right, bye everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Chronic Pain Breakup Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you want to take this relationship to the next level, you can connect with me and other pain crusaders inside my private Facebook group, Battling Chronic Pain with Neuroscience, where these episodes are actually recorded live. And I'd love to hear from you. Share your questions and biggest struggles with your chronic pain recovery journey by reaching out to me on Facebook or on Instagram at Pain Crusader. Thanks again for listening and never stop learning.